listener production. Hi, it's me, Ursula, and you're listening to That's Enough Already. This week, I've got Theo Ford. You can go and see it. Theo's annoyingly gorgeous face on Twitter and Instagram at the underscore Theo underscore Ford. What do we talk about, you ask? Well, Theo is a lot of things, but his dog is so much more, considering how many outfits that little pup has. Come and check it out. We chat about the dog's wardrobe, his desire to avoid adopting an Aussie twang, who is an Am I right? Yeah. Considering he already has three accents and one, and it's all working for him, let me tell you. Why he'll never brand himself a porn star, even being one of the most successful names in the adult film industry. Oh, you're looking him up now, aren't you? And what Cher really looks like after running into her in Paris. Now that's a good party story. That's quite enough. Just shut your mouth. I don't give a stuff. It shush, please. Yes, I can hear. But I don't care, that's enough already. Good. Uh, so good to uh, talk to you. Yes, I know. I actually had to go on to previous interviews that you've done because I'm like, what accent have you got? Like, I've, I feel like I know you because yeah. I feel like I I see everything you post. I've interacted quite a lot with you. And then I go, I don't know what your voice sounds like. Yeah, I rarely, I rarely post uh, a lot of my voice. And it's weird because my accent is, is this mixture between French, Irish, a bit of American. Um, I've lived literally around the world. I've lived, you know, in in Cape Town. I've lived in Australia, in the States. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's a it's a really big mixture. How long how long were you in Cape Town for? Because you were in Londodno. So I was there for a few months, and it was just really to um, to check out and see if I wanted to move there uh, permanently. I, I want to say. So yeah, I see you travel everywhere with your dog. Yeah. How do you do that? Like, doesn't the dog need to go into quarantine or not? Uh, it depends on the country. Uh, because he has all his vaccines and he has his uh, passport, um, around Europe, this is very easy. And for South Africa, it was quite weird because to go to South Africa, he had to fly uh, with a special cargo company that was very expensive. But to come yeah. back into Europe, I just had him with me on the plane. I do want to talk to you about something, Theo. I've already seen on your Twitter feed, you've posted dogs with jumpers on and little <laughs> Christmas jackets. <laughs> do you do that to your dog? Yeah, his little uh, Ralph Lauren uh, polo, because his name is Apollo, so I always joke that it's Apollo in Apollo. <laughs> he's uh, adorable, like he's very, uh, very easy to live with and he loves people. In some countries, you know, they're not that dog friendly in restaurants or stores. Yeah. And I always joke that my dog is probably well, you know, more well behaved and better dressed than most people around. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I reckon. Where where are you today? Uh, so I'm in Waterford in Ireland. I moved back to help my mom with her house and spend some time with her because I hadn't been back. I think in six seven years. It's weird because it feels like I've done so much, you know, and I've traveled around the world and the city yeah. or the place, you know, hasn't changed much. The people haven't changed. So it's it's nice. It's, you know, it's a bit grounding as well, uh, especially when you've worked entertainment, when you've traveled, I mean, I'm sure you know, and you go back yeah. to where you're, uh, you grew up and it really feels kind of wholesome, which I really like. Yeah, yeah. I must say, as soon as you started talking about home and your mum, your Irish accent came out real thick and strong. <laughs> It makes me laugh as well because what I lived, I lived in Australia for a year and a half and I was just like, oh my God, please don't, don't let me, you know, catch uh, the Australian twang because <laughs> that, that would make it even worse, you know? Yeah. 
You can't. That was me in Texas. <laughs> I used to live in Texas, and I'm like, that would be the worst thing for me is to pick up that twang. I don't want to. And the first time I ever walked into a shop and I went, how y'all doing? I just walked out again. I went, I don't even know. <laughs> like, oh God, I, yeah. I don't want to know. I don't want to know how y'all are doing. I just want to leave. I just want to go home and not have that accent. So can we just say, can we get into what you do? Because uh, first off, I want to say you're with your mum. And I read an article about how supportive your mum is and your family backs you, and I just think that's amazing. So please tell us what you do, Fia. Well, um, since 2013, I've been working in the adult industry. You know, it's a bit, I'm sure you know, when you come out as uh, queer, as gay, as uh, lesbian, um, you do have to uh, own yourself. You do have to uh, be even more sure of yourself. If you like it, amazing. If you don't, you know, that's a you problem. So I think that's also part of your your own burden when you choose or when you, you know, you are on a uncommon path in life. You also have to help people to understand. So it's so a two-way street. So when I'm on a plane, uh, if anyone asks me what I do for a job, I have a backup career that I tell, I tell them I'm a waitress <laughs> or, you know, I go, I'm an accountant or whatever. I just say... Any job as a backup? Yeah, something where people don't ask follow-up questions. So do you have a backup career that's ready to load as soon as someone asks you what you do on a plane? For me, I'm like, I I don't like to lie. So I would just say, uh, I, you know, I'm an actor or I work at entertainment, full stop. Um, yeah. I rarely, I rarely, you know, I, I never call myself a star anyway. I think that's, I hate when people, you know, especially in the adult industry, call themselves, you know, a porn star. I'm like... That's a bit pretentious. You um, have had the career. You've had over a hundred films. You have had the career. Yeah. You've been nominated for awards. How many have you won awards? How many awards have you won? Yeah, I won awards in Europe at the, the height of I won't say of my career when I was filming a lot. I was one of the most Googled actors in the world, yeah. which is kind of weird and crazy. I mean it's nice because you know you do it for for the public, you do it for people to to see it. But yeah. It gets to a point where your life is is not your own. That is a I'm sure you get it sometimes as well when people have opinions of you on in the press or online. Yeah. And so you, you have to build, you know, this thick skin. Yeah. Which helps in life in general, but especially when you're sort of a public persona, uh, that that can be tough. It doesn't matter how shit it is online, give it two days, they're gonna move on to someone else. That's how it works. Yeah, well, that's what Cher's uh, mom, I told her, uh, if it doesn't matter in five years, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Have you met Cher? <laughs> no, I, 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 I bumped into her in Paris uh, during a fashion week and I was too scared to go up to her. She is so lovely. Uh, but and she, she looks stunning, which is, you know, you would always think, you know, it's TV or it's, you know, the makeup, but it's, people have like this persona um, and the, and then the, the aura that goes around. Yeah. And they can afford to have this persona or they have this uh, uh, this image. And I think she's yeah. she's so amazing. Okay, so so sidetrack on to share. I hosted Mardi Gras <laughs> in Sydney a few years ago yeah. and she was there and I wasn't supposed to interview her. I was just working this street. I was up and down, up and down Oxford Street. And, and she's just so friendly and so... And, and I said to a friend of mine afterwards, I go... 
You can have as much work done as you like, but with that woman, you can see her body. You can bounce coins off her. That woman is in the gym at least five hours a day. Yeah, because when I saw her, she was in this Juicy Couture, you know, velvet tracksuit. And I mean, she looked insane. You know, she looked amazing. And she's in her 70s. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> but I love it as, you know, like, and you can see, like, I'm sure she's gotten, you know, a lot of shit from, from people, from social media. And, oh, yeah. and she's always able to to answer those so quick and such a way that she owns who she is. There's no, she's not hiding anything. And no. I think that's uh, something we all should all strive for is, you know, owning ourselves and being able to say, you know, yes, this is me. Get used to it. Even like the words normal or regular, you know, I see that in bios or online. I'm like, oh my God, why would you want to be normal or regular? Again, it, you know, everyone has different definition of what it is, but also just re- regular or average. Yeah, I loved your show for that because it was very much, you know, not just self-deprecating, but, you know, just owning your highs and your lows and really, you know, wear them as a badge of honor. Nothing bonds us more than our frustrations and the fact that we struggle to accept who we are. But then once you do, you go, yeah, me too. That's when people go, I am a bogan. Do you know what a bogan is? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Coming from Sydney, <laughs> you would. Oh, yeah. When you drink your goon. Oh, goons. Yeah, you know you're in for a good night. When the person oh pulls up at your house and they put the box wine on the roof of the car and then they get out. Yeah. You're like, oh, it's going to be a big night. I want to ask you something because you were just, you sort of accidentally almost got into the adult film industry because someone approached you because you're gorgeous. Like if you're just listening to this, to the home players, you need to go look up Theo Ford um, and just go see you are beautiful. Like you started off at modeling in in Paris and then this person just came up to you. Um, But you had to be open to the prospect of it. Yeah, exactly. But it's something that, you know, I think a lot of, especially guys, I mean, gay or straight, there's always, you know, the uh, the fantasy. And I didn't realize it was going to become a thing. Um, But as you said, being open to opportunities and, and you never know. And I... I would never have imagined when I was 18 when I left school that I would ever make a living based on my face or my body. Um, I would have laughed in your face if you had told me that. Yeah. For me now, it's, it is quite a funny turn of events. And hopefully, you know, I'll do more things, you know, in life. But, I mean, that's the thing. If you're open to stuff like that, it, yeah. you know, regardless of what it is, that's how people sort of stumble into it. And then you go, how did you get this this massive restaurant chain or whatever, and they go, oh, you know, someone just offered me this job and all of a sudden escalated and now I'm the owner of 40,000 McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I, I just think if you're open to opportunities like that, like no one's ever, uh, of course, approached me for um, the adult film industry. And uh, I mean, I would seriously consider it. I think I've reposted that clip from your show that you didn't want to lose too much weight because you didn't want to end up in porn. <laughs> yeah. Because when I, I heard that first time, I was like, oh my God, this is hilarious. <laughs> yeah. No, but I, because <laughs> yeah. I, I, I spent 10 weeks in quarantine in hotels, government quarantine. And so I went and I watched a lot of porn. And I say, I finished it. I Like I clocked porn. I watched all of it. <laughs> and now I'm like, oh, there's definitely genres that I could do. I could be a squasher. I could just go and go sit on these guys and eat a, half a cake. I'd love it. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I have, I have some friends who do that. They would sit on cakes, actually, and just 
squash cakes uh, with the bombs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But when you see straight porn, it feels very uh, removed from reality. Whereas gay porn has, I mean, okay, sometimes the uh, the acrobatic moves and everything are not realistic, but most of the time it's really, you know, what two guys would do. You know, it's, it's a lot yeah. closer, even the way the guys look, that could be a lot closer to the reality. Yeah. Uh, so that's, for me, I think that's why I, I think I understand why gay porn is, is so popular. Even back in the day when it was still VCR, they would have VCR mm. of gay porn and they go, should we watch some porn? I'm like, no, I'm just here for a barbecue. I'm not really, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to sit with you and your husband and watch a gay porn because I don't think I'm going to go home tonight then. I just get a vibe about it all. <laughs> oh, yeah, God. Um, I love your pinned tweet is um, about consent. And I mm. just think, uh, especially, we, you know, the world we're living in now, I'm going to read it to the folks playing at home. Um, it is never okay to touch someone without their consent. Remember that. And it's just so simple, but so many fucking people get that wrong. Yeah, especially when you're, I think, a public persona. I was groped in a club. I was behind the DJ booth with my friend who was DJing, and this guy just comes up and slides his, you know, his hand down my pants. Oh my god! And in the moment, you're like, oh my god, is this really happening? So it, you know, it's a, yeah. it's so quick, but it's happened to me uh, before in clubs, or where fans would, you know, come up to me and then they would try it on, and I'm like, no, 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 this is not how it works. And it, don't, don't confuse me having this job or me being friendly when you say hi to an open invitation to to grab me. You know, if I can, you know, help with that in any way, I think for me it's important to to make people realize that we're still human beings. Yeah. You know, we may have maybe maybe sexually empowered or have a, a different way of accessing our sexuality and monetizing our sexuality. But that doesn't mean it's okay to uh, you know to assault us. Yeah, I mean, the flip side, you're not going to grab a builder and force him to build your retaining wall. <laughs> like, you know, that yeah. is your job. And and people struggle to see, and it, it is a huge problem um, about sex workers that, you know, struggle to report stuff even. Like, the cops are like, bah, you know. When I reported my assault to the police in, in Paris, it took so long to file the paperwork, to actually get to be believed. Then, you know, even if you've done everything, very often they don't really do anything more because yeah. uh, they they want proof. But I'm like, well, I, I wasn't filming. I wasn't expecting to be assaulted. So I don't have, you know, photos or videos of me being assaulted, you know. So it's, yeah. uh, it is difficult to uh, to prosecute. People come up and hug me or try and kiss me or grab my boobs or whatever. Um, and I'm a fucking comedian. Nothing says, <laughs> touch my body, uh, you know. So I can just imagine when people see you, they must lose their mind. Like a lady said to me tonight, she was messaging me on Instagram and she goes, I feel like we've been friends for years because I've seen you so many times, you know, so many of your shows. Um, she goes, so this is really bizarre for me. She goes, I can just imagine what it feels like for you. I go, no, I get that a lot. Like, people will just come up and talk to me. Even the lady, I was buying um, sausages for the kids' lunch boxes, and this lady in the deli just started talking to me, but she called me Ursh, not even Ursh, just Ursh, <laughs> and then started talking to me about her day. And I was like, 
she in her head we are friends. But also, you have you know kind of a very relatable uh, demeanor and very relatable kind of comedy. Mm. So I think that's why people might you know feel close to you. My my work is maybe a tiny bit less relatable uh, for the masses. For me, I'm oh yeah, that's a part of me, but it's not the entirety of of my my being. Yeah. Um, so it's funny when other people have this perception of you that can be you know misled by what they've seen online or the way they they might imagine you. Yeah. But it's that's why it's funny. I'm always happy to you know meet people and see you know what they actually envision my personality, and that's why like I try to like not be too online because you you want to keep a bit of you know um not even mystery but you want to keep a bit of your your personal life and your uh your secret garden if you want can i ask you did you change your name before you did the first one or um did that come afterwards when you realized shit this could be massive i should change my name yeah no uh, i my first few movies i only had the first name it was only theo oh. Oh, yeah. And when I started to to film with bigger studios, they were like, "Oh, what's your last name?" You know, like because there's other Theos or, and yeah. I I thought you know about where I was from and Waterford in, in Ireland. And for me, it's that's where I'm now, and it's very special. So that's why I chose Ford uh, for my last name is from from my city from from Waterford. Oh, that's beautiful. But for me, it's very much a personal, uh, yeah. a personal name. On any article about you or whatever, um, people immediately go, "Yeah, what if <laughs> what if a boy represent?" And like they so they own you. They're like, yeah. you know, or or every article they're like the most exciting thing ever out of Waterford. And I'm like, it's so good <laughs> that people are just embracing it. Okay, Theo, let me ask you something. Um, what um, is one thing about other people that shit you to absolute death? Well, for me, it's uh, lack of, you know, being adventurous. Yeah. Um, and actually, in, I, I, mean, I love people in South Africa, but I came into contact with a lot of people that weren't willing or bothered to, you know, exploring the world. And they were just so happy with their own little like even miniature world and and social uh, bubble. Look in Sydney, you know, there's so many people who have never left the state. Um, so I think for me, uh, and especially when you've travelled a lot, and I've lived in mo- on most continents, I've lived in so many cities and countries. And for me, it's 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 completely unimaginable to not be willing to just you know travel and and explore the world. And that's how you you know you create you know racism and, and fear of others. Uh, homophobia because you've never been in contact with people who are different to you. Yeah. So if everyone was very worldly and traveled all, all over and had experienced every culture in the world, you know, stuff like racism, anti-Semitism, homophobia would exist a lot less, for sure. It would. I 100%. If I meet someone that's super racist or just say weird shit, about trans people or whatever, I go, you've never left, have you? Yeah. You just know they have never fucking left. And they go, why would you leave? This is the best place. I'm like, you need to leave. You need to go. Unless you're Australian, because going to Bali is not traveling. No, 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 no. <laughs> also, not, should... the amount of, not the amount of beer you drink over there, because you can't yeah, remember your holiday. Being shit-faced in Bali does not count as traveling. <laughs> No, no. Getting your hair braided really tightly is not a cultural experience. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> What's the one thing about you that shits you? 
Well, for me, I'm so impatient. So I'm always looking for, you know, what's going to happen next. You know, I sometimes I, tr- I have trouble with really focusing on the the here and now, not being able to to relax. So for me, I'm I'm so impatient. You know, people like if they walk slow on the street, I'm like, come on, move. I'm gay. Get out of my way. Um, <laughs> or the way, you know, people like have trouble understanding. Uh, even a joke, for example, I'm not the most patient person uh, at all. It's, it's part of like a quality that I'm quick at understanding the world. But at the same time, it's a flaw when it comes to other people around. It's difficult for me to be tolerant of people that are slower than me. Um, yeah. So that makes that makes it sometimes difficult to be in a in a social setting. Oh no! But if we are ever in a social setting together, come and stand with me because I hate all of those things that you just said. I don't mm. want to explain shit to people. I don't want people to block my way. You know, <laughs> or if they don't walk on the right side of the pavement. Like if you live in a country where you drive on the left side of the road, you should walk on the left side on the pavement, mm. and so other people can go past you. But if you're just dawdling in the middle of the road, it should be okay to kind of just nudge you a bit as. I go past. I always say like I'm a very much a loner and sometimes like a like you know Enya in her castle yeah. uh, living with her her pets and not seeing anyone for the last 10 years I'm like that's my goal. Oh my god what a dream what a dream life. <laughs> um, yeah. But when you work in entertainment people always assume that you're super social um, that you're always friendly and always easygoing with everyone else around yeah. but it, it drains my social battery very very quickly. Yeah. So even if I have a one night out or one night with people, it takes me like a week to recover <laughs> yeah. from that. Yeah, because I bet people think you just want to go out and party all the time because people always say, you should come out. We'll go out, we'll have uh, have dinner, and then we'll go for some gins. And I'm like, that sounds like sheer hell to me. Mm. I don't want to do any of that. Do you ever get invited to um, crash on people's couches or to come and stay in their house when you go to a place? Like if people know you're going to Spain or whatever, do they say come and stay with us? Very often, I would you know have a hotel, or I would, or I would just you know say, oh, it's fine, I'll get an Airbnb yeah. and choose my own place. So yeah. for a long time, I was living out of like nearly two suitcases, you know, traveling around. I do like my own space, so catch surfing is really not my my ideal. No, it's it's a nightmare for me when people go come stay with us. I'm like, I don't know how to say. I don't want to do that without hurting your feelings, but I would rather headbutt a nail than come and stay in your kid's room and with my bag next to the toy box. Like, I don't want to do that in my own house, sleep in my kid's room. Why would I want to do that in your house? Especially when, you you know, when you're not 20 anymore, when you need like a proper bed uh, and a bit of your own space. I mean, it's, if there's ever like like a diva, trait I may have is I want to have my bit of my comfort, you know, my own space. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to, let, you know, sleep on the floor, like on the air mattress. And as you get again, as you get older, you know, it's everything hurts if you don't have a good bed, you know, it's and you get cranky in the morning. No, it's no. it's not the best. I struggle with when they go, what what's on your rider? I'm like, fuck, I don't know. It's been like 12 years, 13 years, and I still haven't figured it out. I always say I want some sparkling water and then they go what else I go I don't fucking know Uh, you know then they put booze in there and they put snacks and stuff and all I ever have is a sparkling water and then there's a lot of pressure now on me to find something but I'm like I'm on stage for two hours I'm in the dressing room doing hair makeup for like an hour beforehand and then I'll normally sit in the dressing room maybe I'll have a gin after the show but even that's rare 
and then I'll sneak out the stage door. That's it. Like I I don't live there now, so I don't need all this shit. But so they go, so we what do we want to get? I go, uh, upgrade in the hotel. How how about that? That can be my rider. Mm. Make sure I've got the best room in that hotel. I'd much rather have that than any shit in the dressing room. And I like to fly business. I don't I don't want to sit in the economy. Yeah. But the rest of it, I like. I have no demands whatsoever on stage or on. Yeah. I'm I'm a basic bitch when it comes to the performance side of it, because people should be listening to me. They should not be looking around the stage and go, "Ooh," <laughs> you know. <laughs> when people say, "Oh yeah, business is not all of that," but when you're, you know, a bit bigger, like I'm, you know, I'm six four. So wow. If I yeah, if I fly, you know, economy, that's difficult. Uh, so yeah. if if anything, I'm like, yep, let's pledge another 50 bucks to be in business or something, you know. It's hard to gauge how tall you are. So if you didn't say 6'4", I would not have fucking known. I would have gotten the fright of my life when I met you in Ireland. Some uh, co-stars that, you know, look so impressive in photos and I meet them in person and I'm like, oh my God, like, where's the, where's the other half of you? <laughs> <laughs> Are you all right down there? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of That's Enough Already, hosted by me, Ursula Carlson, and produced by Natalie Turner. The supervising producer was Nick McClure, and special thanks to Ella Leaf and Big Sutherland. Couldn't do it without you, girls. If you like this podcast, remember to subscribe, share it with all of your friends, tell your mum, tell your sister, don't tell that annoying brother of yours, you know, but definitely share it with a friend. 